0: when people are like, oh, stop these missions to Mars and going out of space, fund something else on Earth. Let's just focus on Earth. It's like we are focusing on Earth by going to outer space because it helps us create technologies that will help us on Earth because we're thinking of it in a different way. And that's what's really exciting. Hey, Carl, how's it going?
1: Good, Iram. It's been a wild summer. It's not quite over yet. We're heading into Labor Day and it's pretty exciting. What do you think?
0: I'm really excited for it. The summer has been fantastic for us in Brooklyn and New York. We've been having our feral family summer where we try to check up all the experiences. We had the bonfire with s'mores and pool time and beach time, all of that. So it's been fantastic for us, not for everyone around the world. I think it's something that we should mention. We are very fortunate for now. But what about you? Like what's been going on for your summer? What's been going on in the news?
1: Well, I'm glad you mentioned the heat. Right now, the heat is pretty modest, but we did have a few very hot days. And as we record this, France is undergoing a terrible heat wave. Most of the country is on red alert. I think that's supposed to end in a couple of days, but I think they're seeing temperatures that they've never seen before. And of course, there was that fire in Maui, which is unexpected and took out something like 100 people. So hurricane in California, it's been weird from a weather point of view and climate change is definitely here. I have had a good summer. I this week just dropped off my son Tomas at college, so crisscross New York State. I did a lot of driving. Went to Cornell a couple times. Spent some time up in the Adirondacks. Got one hike in. Got bit by lots of mosquitoes. And <laughs> went to UVM, and now I'm in Brooklyn. And I'm happy to be here. I know that you're not feeling well, so let's talk about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, we are of biology, and sometimes things go awry. I'm not going to disclose my Personal health care information on the podcast, but I kind of have this age related. It's actually something that's found in people that are older than fifty. Remember when I told you about it? You're like, "Iran, are you seventy years old? Like, what's going on?" And at first, I'm like, I didn't really know what was happening. And then I did a virtual telemedicine conference, which I love that now as a way just to not go crazy and be a hypochondriac. After speaking with Doctor Google, like now you have professionals that you can just click, click, click and call. And they were like, "Oh, this is what's going on with you. Here's how." to solve it. I am on the road to recovery, but it's a little strange, I will say. Since this is the year that I will be turning 40... It struck home that I got this age-related disease a little sooner in life. And I think it goes to show that we are all different. When I did look it up finally on Google, it said, again, people that are over 50 usually get this. But you never know. People are different. Things happen at different times of your life. As long as you try to stay healthy, even though I do for the most part, I'm pretty healthy, things can happen. And it's okay as long as you seek treatment and help as soon as you start feeling a little sick
1: yeah and you're also taking a medication for your illness how's that going
0: yeah it's going okay it's making me a little loopy like the one side effect i looked up all the side effects the first thing is discouragement which i was like oh wow i never saw that as a side effect of a drug but i was feeling it i think with my husband and i know carl with you too i was just like what's going on it just put me in a different mindset i was just really sad i didn't know what was going on and i was just discouraged and i'm like wow It's the drug is making me feel this way. It's not me. This is not how I typically am.
1: That is a very strange side effect
0: discouragement, it's feelings of sadness, depression, headaches, fatigue, which is also a symptom of the disease. So having that be a side effect, it's like, okay, well, I guess it's maybe it's just all related, of course, because we do know that diseases have a pathway. Drugs try to follow that pathway to sort it all out. And sometimes it doesn't. So those symptoms just persist because the drug can't solve that specific symptom, but it is getting at the core. Of what the disease is But I think in a couple of weeks I should be fine So cross your fingers I am feeling better than yesterday As you know, we're good
1: Yes, I'm happy for that Because I was very worried about you yesterday You were down in the dumps And I've never (laughs) known you to be down in the dumps So it does happen, podcast people And I'm wishing you a safe and quick recovery Luckily, we are about to take some time off And hopefully that'll help you with your recovery This is going to be one of our episodes Where it's just the two of us chatting We don't do these that often but we feel like we should. Let's just talk a little bit about what's been in the news. You specifically noted some exciting news about the moon.
0: Yes. Yes, the moon, because... India has landed on the south pole of the moon. They are the fourth country to land on the moon, which I was a bit surprised about. Obviously, everyone knows that the U.S. landed on the moon first, and then we knew that other countries had their own space programs. I just didn't realize that it was only four countries, so I thought that was a little surprising. Yeah. Uh, But congratulations to the India Space Agency, ISRO, for getting there and accomplishing this. And There's a lot of advantages of exploring the south pole of the moon and... Being a site where there could be water where they say it's a good spot for fueling for more extended missions in space. So it's exciting. I mean, I bet all those people at ISRO like accomplishing that mission because it's such a clear mission. You and I work with a lot of companies on creating their vision and missions. And it's hard to predict, but this is like all right. Our vision is to land on the South Pole of the moon. Our mission is to get there. And they did it and accomplished (laughs) why we can accomplish it and what a win what a win for India. So congratulations to my motherland.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I would like to know more about it. I wish someone would let us know like what the tech stack was that they used, what's the cost comparison versus what NASA did when they first went to the moon. And I want to know who that other country is because I know China's sent probes to the moon. So that means China, the US and India, but who's that third country? Because at the same time that that news came out or maybe a couple of days before, Russia had sent a spacecraft to the moon and it crashed. So, it I don't was Russia. I Russia
0: is that other country that they landed on the moon successfully in the past. It is exciting that they landed a spacecraft there, but I mean, and I don't want to poo-poo on the parade, but I want more people to go on the moon—not me, no one in my family. Well, maybe people in my family can go there, and, but like, I would love to see like a station up there and people trying to build something. They were saying that it'd be a good spot to refuel. So, where's that fueling station there? Maybe put a Starbucks up there. I don't know.
1: Right. <laughs> Well, our friend John Cumbers has planned probably now for five or six years that he's going to hold something called Betafest on the moon in 2030. So we're still six years away from that. We don't have a place to land. We don't have commercial flights to the moon. But progress does happen exponentially. At first, I was like, that's not going to happen. But you never know. Never, know really six
0: years is a long time. A hell of a long time. World. It is, it is. And it's also a little bit of time. Time is an illusion and it's a mystery wrapped in a conundrum. But <laughs> I will say that anytime I talk about space, I always think of space biomanufacturing that can be done. When we went to the bio Beta conference, it was really exciting to hear about space biomanufacturing. Space was its own track at this conference. So there was a lot of sessions about the different manufacturing tools and the reasons that space by Manufacturing would be helpful because you just can't take a lot of things in outer space. You need a type of generative tool to take some seeds and then cultivate them into plants that can be in the spacecraft. So you can have oxygen and food and your own little floating Earth. I guess or little environment where it's sustainable and regenerative. I just think that's so fascinating. But of course, biology is a little bit different when it comes to microgravity. What happens in those biochemical processes? on earth that is grounded in gravity it is different when there isn't gravity so it's that whole concept of how do cells and proteins express in zero gravity and i thought that that was so interesting i'm curious to see if india has any plans to do any type of biological research now that they have their craft up there if they're trying to bring things down so there's a lot to uncover when it comes to space and biotechnology
1: yeah My college roommate, who is now a professor at the University of Washington, Ed Kelly, has been working on on organ-on-a-chip for most of his career. Pretty sure he works on kidneys. Ed, if you're listening, please correct me if I'm wrong. And his organ chips have been in space, I think, at the space station. And I don't really know what those experiments look like, but I would like to know. And I agree with you. I think this space manufacturing is fascinating. And the orbital economy is brand new. I mean, we're at the point where it's actually starting to happen. I'm very excited for it.
0: Yeah, there's just a lot with the space by manufacturing is by manufacturing cultivated foods, so cultivated meats, cultivating or manufacturing drugs, because right now what they do is that when there's a long mission or even at the space station, they have like a book of pills that they take up to the space station, but those have expiration dates. So they have to be refilled or reintroduced. They don't have every single drug, you know, they have kind of the common ones. But if you were to get some type of space disease or this virus or something mutated, you would need to be able to create something very quickly. And like the whole right. idea of thinking about space is you have parameters and restriction and you need to create things faster with less resources. And that, of course, has a lot of applications on Earth. And this has been the silver lining, but the whole concept of, all right, we're shooting for the moon and we're going to develop all these technologies to get there and all the technologies that are created can be applied in different areas here on Earth to make our lives a bit easier. That's, you know, when people are like, oh, stop these missions to Mars and going out of space, fund something else on Earth. Let's just focus on Earth. It's like we are focusing on Earth by going to outer space because it helps us create technologies that will help us on Earth because we're thinking of it in a different way. And that's what's really exciting.
1: Yeah, I agree 100%.
0: But in other news, when to switch gears, a topic that came into the news that one of our friends is addressing is a topic of PFAS. I didn't read this article. I know you have and shared it with our friend. Do you want to shed some light on what I'm talking about here?
1: Yeah. So PFAS, they're called forever chemicals. PFAS is something like per or parley, floor alkaline substances. And these are chemicals that are found in hundreds of products, stain and water resistant fabrics and carpets, cleaning products, paints. Firefighting foams, most notably, and they do not break down very easily. And our friends at Alonia, who we featured on episode 13, we had an interview with Nicole of Alonia. She and her company are focused on breaking down PFAS. PFAS were the cover story of the New York Times magazine last week. And what was interesting about the article was how widespread they are. I mean, I think it's one of those things that people didn't realize. When we first talked to Nicole and we got to know her, I thought PFAS were something that you found at airports. They happen to use these fire retardant foams, and then they end up with this polluted space. I didn't realize how widespread they are. But they are these chemicals that are very hard for biology to break down. That's why they're called Forever Chemicals. And that is something that Alonia is doing. But notably in the article, someone said, Well, if everyone's exposed to these PFOS, how come everyone's not dead? And this professor of pharmacology at East Carolina said, people actually are dying. Apparently, nine million people a year die from chronic diseases that are caused by environmental pollutants. We need to do whatever we can to mitigate the use of PFOS and clean up the environment, which is, as we said, what Alonia is doing. So it's not really like the most uplifting article when you find out that these chemicals are everywhere, especially in your water. But it it is uplifting to know that there is a company that is working on mitigating them and eliminating them.
0: I would say two things. One is that acknowledging that environmental exposures lead to diseases. We're all ignorant towards it because no one's really talking about it. And I'm glad that New York Times Magazine put this as a cover story so we can all understand. One of the things that now is kind of concerning is that when I came to New York, New York is known for having the best water, apparently. I mean, that's what I was told, like New York. We're right, uh, that's water. What we're all told. we're all told. Yeah, we're all told that New York water is like the best and it's like the New York Springs. And I was drinking water at the tap for about eight or nine years and it was fine. And then I started to learn more about the topic, what pollutants are there and what people are ignorant of, right? You just can't necessarily trust some of these big systems to catch everything. They're, they have the best intentions for the most part, but we just need to also try to educate ourselves and do what we can to make sure we make the best decisions when it comes to what we put in the environment and what we put in our bodies when, when we're drinking water. So now I do have a pure filtration system, drinking water from that now. I'd rather do that. You never know because it accumulates over time. When I mean, we're talking about disease, but if this confluence of your environmental factors and your age and what you're eating, which is like the environment they're putting in your body, it's a complex recipe and it's hard to really pinpoint unless you get those tests. If we were all to get tests for PFAS in our bodies, what would show up? Would there be detection right now? There's just so many chemicals. I mean, this is like the washing of dyes and you said it was a water resistant coatings. It's just everywhere. Think about washing a raincoat or something, You know, just going into our water. So that's just a huge thing to acknowledge that our environment is toxic. And I know that there is a documentary that just came out, I didn't watch it, called Poisoned oh, on geez. Netflix. And it is about our food supply and how we are slowly poisoning ourselves. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, that, that is pretty dark. But the thing I just want to point out is definitely listen to episode 13 with Nicole Richards of Alonia. It's interesting to hear about the technology because they do use microbes to consume PFAS and 1,4-Dioxane, which is another forever chemical. It's just so fascinating to learn how we can leverage nature and be able to clean nature, try to use one biology to make sure we uh, clean up the environment. So definitely worth listening to.
1: Yeah, I agree. I was going to add one comment to that. You're sadly sick. It's not, luckily, something that is food-related. But I'm reading Jonathan Safran Foer's book, Eating Animals. There's a statistic in there. I mean, the book is eye-opening. I don't want to get into it too much. But apparently, 70 million people a year get some kind of food-related illness in the United States. So basically, almost a third of the population. And typically, that food-related illness is because the food is contaminated. So food contamination is extremely Common, and you're making a face. If you're listening, you might not see making a face. But it's just like another one of those things that we're always being vigilant, trying to be smart. We don't know what we're surrounded by. Generally, we try to believe that the food system is clean. That's not always the case. I
0: also just read something recently that people were dying from milkshakes. It was a Listeria outbreak. Wow, where um, where? on the West Coast, I believe it was from a store called Frugal's, which is ironic that that's the oh, name yeah. of the store. It
1: says three people um, died after drinking contaminated milkshakes
0: yeah yeah there's contamination from something external maybe someone didn't wash their hands or they put something in their the milkshake machine on accident of course and then proliferated listeria ends up multiplying and becoming at a certain concentration where it is deadly and unfortunately it's really sad that these people died for this reason naturally animals rot animals right. rot. they sometimes they carry die. disease <laughs> after they die, they start rotting even before they die, they have disease they could have diseases and they can jump from like an animal to another animal to human that has happened several times eating animals is very dangerous stuff and i think we take it for granted i'm talking about this now and i want to eat less meat but i don't know my husband's like a big foodie and it's going to be like really hard i actually was vegetarian for like five years after i watched food incorporated and i got hip to the drive (laughs) so i ended up becoming a vegetarian I mean, I was still drinking milk and eating cheese, you know, eggs and stuff. And then I got married and I was vegetarian for a little bit, but I couldn't get away from it. And then eventually I just ended up eating meat again. I'm always trying to reduce that. That's why I can't wait for cultivated meat. And I have been trying more alternative proteins to get away from the risk because yeah. there's a huge risk. We'll have to talk more about the book you're reading. I'll have to read it. I'm sure that there's a lot in there because it is a biology. I'm talking about animals are a factory of meat. They produce a meat and then we just harvest it and we just don't know every single step that happens. We don't know. Factory farming, they have their own regulations to try to stick with them and try to have that consistency. But again, this is very hard to control. It's really hard to control biology. It's fascinating. It's complex. We just have to make sure we make the best decisions.
1: There's many issues with factory farming, but this idea that they're constantly giving the animals antibiotics, the animals become antibiotic resistance. As a result, a virus will spread from an animal to another animal, hop to another species, and then hop to us. I mean, like you said, this has happened many times. And that is one of the big concerns. When people talk about being against cultivated meat, one of the arguments that we can make for it is the fact that you don't have to feed those cells antibiotics. You don't have to worry about viruses jumping from one place to another. And in hell, we just lived through a pandemic, so we know what's that like. And we were very lucky that pandemic could have been much, much worse. And I think that the concern is that we do end up with a worse pandemic. But anyway, we can talk about eating animals more next time. Let's talk about a really awesome discovery in biology.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So the New York Times reported, and it's not that I read the New York Times only for my science news, but I do find it to be an interesting source. We get our science news by reading Twitter threads on LinkedIn, looking at the headlines on nature and science. So there is a lot of good science information out there. But this one jumped out at me because it says hogfish see with their skin. And apparently the scientists studying these hogfish, who are fish from the Western Atlantic, identified a new type of cell that lives within the hogfish skin that not only allows them to monitor their surroundings. So basically they can see with their skin, but they can also edit their skin color. Now, Iram, you've actually seen hogfish. I'm not sure that I have.
0: Yeah, I've seen a hogfish at an aquarium more recently in Portugal. I actually first did not see it. I saw an empty tank and it <laughs> sand on the bottom. And then I saw the sand moving, then saw a little eye and then saw that it was a hogfish. A hogfish is flat. We will put a link to what this hogfish looks like, but it is like a flat angler fish. So it was like a little flat pancake that was moving around. But one of the things that also stood out in this article and this discovery was that we know that animals camouflage. Of course, there's lots of animals that do that. Newt's. Chameleons, for sure, octopi, octopus. But what was fascinating is obviously, like you mentioned, that they could see with their skin, but that they could continue changing color after they were dead. Right. That was like, what? Yeah, there was still biological processes happening after the hogfish was dead, like they had no brain function. And I guess maybe its heart wasn't beating. What's happening that there was still biological function happening without the animal being alive?
1: Yeah, and apparently part of the discovery was that they realized that these cells that are found under the skin of these hogfish contain a protein known as an opsin, which is also found in human retinas. Apparently the cells contain those seeing proteins, but they also contain these ink-like sacs that allow them to change color. What this makes me think of is, and I don't have the episode number in front of me, is when we talked to Archaea, I talked to Jasmine of Archaea, And one of Archaea's products is a sunscreen that is apparently based on marine proteins because fish do not generally get sunburned. Reading this article about opsins made me go, huh. I wonder if you could take this kind of protein and turn it into some kind of adaptive sunscreen. And I think we've talked about adaptive cosmetics, adaptive clothing, and how us on this podcast, we're predicting that there's going to be a wave of adaptive fashion. Given climate change, you don't know if you're going to be in the rain in the morning or you think you might be in the rain, but then it gets super hot or super cold. So we need like to just have a piece of clothing that adapted to the weather, but also in cosmetics? Wouldn't it be great mm-hmm. to have a cosmetic that hydrates your skin, protects you from the sun, and maybe even change his color.
0: Yeah. Jasmina's episode is episode 17. So certainly listen to that one and be inspired of how you can leverage biology for beauty and personal care. I love the way you think, Carl, in terms of, look, there's so many interesting things that happen in biology on the planet in different fascinating animals. If we take the time to understand those biochemical processes and how we could leverage them and use it for something else, that's the whole point of this podcast, really, is like, look, you can grow everything we can grow adaptive sunscreen so that it stays on our skin not only does it moisturize and protect us from the sun it can do some other things maybe with these opsins like maybe it can help with sensors and give us a little bit more properties enhance our day-to-day experience because we are humans we have our own capabilities but animals have other fascinating things that they're doing now that we have technology, we're having a stronger command over biology. There's still so much we need to learn, but how can we leverage that for our own day-to-day and make us a little bit more enhanced, make our experiences more enhanced and delightful, more protected? I, I love that. Carl, we mentioned in the previous podcast about that Sci-fi idea bank. Yep, we need to have a biology idea bank where it's like let's take an index of all of the very unique biology from different animals and microbes. How we could leverage that into that sci-fi idea bank or come up with different applications that would be really interesting. Like, okay, so there's chromatophores that change color. Changing color is a great way of having some type of indication or sending a signal to us to do something. What are the different applications? Maybe. When it comes to pets and babies that can't speak, if something happens, obviously, when like babies, you know, have a dirty diaper or they feel a little sick, can we get some type of device or something that changes color? I know that diapers right now, you can see the blue line, but right. you, know, you know what I'm getting at, right? Like there's something yeah. a little bit more embedded too. I'm getting kind of tired of my smartphone. I mean, sorry, first of all, problems, but I don't wanna like carry it anymore. I don't wanna look at it anymore. I don't wanna look at my computer screen anymore. I think that's part of what kind of drove me crazy yesterday was that I was just of my computer. So then you were like, just go outside your room and grab some coffee. And I felt so much better afterwards. I want to be more in my world than in front of these screens. And I feel like if we can leverage biology to make other tools to like offset some of this, then it'd be nice. It'd be nice, but it's a lot of work.
1: I mean, it it's sounds like there might be a dumb phone in your future, Eram, and I'm with you on that idea.
0: Oh yeah, I would love it.
1: Apparently there is a new generation of Gen Zers who are adopting these technologies. And I'm down with it too, because when I look at my usage on my phone, I know the thing that I end up watching the most and I delete it all the time is YouTube. I like watching YouTube videos. I could give that up. So let's end this out by talking about what we have in front of us in Q3 and Q4. We're heading towards the end of this quarter. We still have until September Mm -hmm. 30th. And there's a lot that's going to be happening. In particular, I'm looking forward to Genspace's 15th anniversary party, which will take place on September 15th in New York City in Brooklyn. So if you're interested in that, drop us a line or go to the Genspace website and sign up and we'll see you there. What are you looking forward to, Iran?
0: Well, I'm looking forward to GenSpace for sure. And I'll definitely put that in the show notes. Maybe we can ask for a discount code. I think you can pull some strings. Carl is on the board of GenSpace. That is a recent development. Congratulations to you, Carl. I don't think we acknowledge that on the podcast, but it's very meaningful to us because Carl and I met at GenSpace. I also met some other people. I met my co-founders of my previous company at GenSpace the same night at the computational biology meetup. So very, very meaningful. It did change the trajectory of my life. So I'm really excited for that. It's going to be a crazy end of the year. And I just cannot believe 2023 is almost over. And I hate saying that, but it's going to go out with a bang. We're both traveling to Europe for different reasons and not work-related. But for me, I will be heading to Switzerland. I have never been to Switzerland before, but I am going. I'm going to Zermatt, going to visit a friend. It is her 40th birthday, so a lot of my friends are turning 40, which is great. Um, There's also a festival that's happening, a Festival of Ideas. Ideas, a very calm and self development, like not a burning man. I want to call it what's like the opposite of burning man, like a generative growth man, <laughs> you know? I and mean, not men. I think there's going to be more females there. My friend Aurelia, she will be giving a talk about beyond hedonism. So I'm really curious to see what she's going to be saying in that talk. The other person that's speaking is Bertrand Picard, and he is an explorer for those that don't know. He was the first person to go around the earth in a hot air balloon. That's what he's doing. Amazing. Known and one of the things that he's known for, but he's been doing a lot of interesting explorative travels and research. So excited to hear him talk and just being in Switzerland. I mean, I just always see images, like just the beautiful mountains. I'm sure I'll talk about it again before I head out. But what about you? Where are you headed off to?
1: So right after you make your way to Switzerland, and yes, I lived in Switzerland when I was in high school in the French part in Lausanne. And I've been to Switzerland many times over the years. But right after you um, makes your way to Switzerland, I will be going to France, but I will be landing in Geneva. And then I'll be going up to the French Alps to do some hiking for a few days. My wife and I are celebrating an anniversary. And then after that hiking is done, we'll be going to Paris for a few days. And initially, we were going to go to Paris, and I was going to go to the biofabricate conference, but since that was sadly canceled, we're just going to hang out. I'm going to catch up with some friends, do a few business meetings while I'm there and just enjoy being in Paris. For me, I think the most of the enjoyment will just be sitting in coffee shops with a cup of coffee or a glass of wine or beer and watching people walk by, people watching. Yeah, I'm looking forward to being in France. Also coming up again, right at the beginning of October is this BioNexus event that's going to be in Los Angeles. Jordan, who's on our team be attending that. And we've got a lot of friends who are going to be attending this conference. It's a big Los Angeles biotech conference. I don't know if it's the first time they've held it, but looks like the lineup is really interesting. There's a lot of investors. Ari Lipman, who is a friend of ours, will be one of the speakers. So I'm excited for that. Then we get to Halloween and the holidays. And I think, Yeram, you have another trip at the end of the year, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So i be heading to India. We try to go every year. I think after COVID, we kind of stopped. And then after the baby, we stopped. But we go because my in-laws are there. We lived there for a year in 2012, or 2011, 2012. And we lived in Bangalore, which was so much fun. I mean, I would say with India, the two greatest things are the people, some of the greatest people ever and the food. But the infrastructure could use a little work. This is a little too crazy. At first, it's like, oh, yeah, this is you know, interesting. Look, there's cows in the streets. Yay. But then if you live there in the day-to-day and trying to get to work and you're in your auto rickshaw and then there's a cow in front of you and it's like pooping everywhere and you're like, oh, my God, all I'm trying to do is get to work. I don't need this cow. Slow me down.
1: That is the most <laughs> hilarious thing ever. <laughs> but I think it's great. So when you go back, are you going to Bangalore?
0: No, we're going to go want- to Chennai. I'm going to go to Chennai. So then we're taking our two-year-old. So I mean, his first time going to India, which I'm a little worried about because like I've seen long my niece. The long flight. That is, yeah, that's the whole thing. You know, thing. I think we might take a pit stop. I might go to Dubai for a couple of days, so, so to be compressed and break up the flight. I'm going to see what's going on there. I did go there before to Dubai and Abu Dhabi. A lot of interesting, like climate related stuff because you are in the desert. It's hot there. What kind of innovation is there to be indoors and keep things cool without using a lot of energy? So I, I thought that it's a very fascinating place. But anyway, I'm more concerned not about the flight, but just like being in India. We're going to December. It tends to be like a rainy season, and there's a of mosquitoes i definitely want to like make sure our bodies are covered because that's the first thing that happened to me when i went to india for the first time i got bitten up by lots of mosquitoes you know how that is because you got bitten up a lot while you were hiking in the adirondacks Um, yeah And then when I was in India, like one of my trips in the past, we were in Goa and we were staying at this place where we were like, oh, it's it's a cool place. You know, it's a little bit more affordable. But that night there was a lot of mosquitoes. I probably got bit over a hundred times. I got bit. I look like I had chicken pox. It was crazy because my husband was sleeping right next to me and he didn't get one bite. I guess I was a flavor of the month for those mosquitoes.
1: I'm always the flavor of the month for the mosquitoes.
0: One of those mosquitoes, or maybe multiple of them, was carrying dengue. So I had gotten dengue fever. I thought I was going to die. It was really bad. It was really bad. Talking about biology misfiring oh my god i was lucky enough to have access to healthcare and was able to pay and afford treatment it was a two-week ordeal where i was just pretty much in a haze i could barely see things i was bedridden and i just remember i was watching flight of the concords i don't know if any of your listeners have seen that show i don't know if you've seen that carl yes i have i was a fan yeah it's kind of like a sketch comedy these two things they're from new zealand or something yeah new zealanders Um, in new york yeah but like i just like barely remember any of the episodes and I just remember their voices and stuff they're funny and they sing funny songs like they have that weird owl vibe of singing songs that are funny but it was just nuts it was madness but I think we'll be okay we learned our lessons we'll make sure uh, Adam, my little two-year-old is safe we'll be in Chennai we might hop to Bangalore or somewhere else but maybe we'll stop at ISRO I don't know maybe there's just little we'll still be parties in the streets for India landing on the moon
1: yeah, it's interesting because looking at the map, which I always do, Chennai is basically opposite Goa. It goes a little bit north, but Chennai's still pretty far south. So you could have the mosquito problem, but you will be on the coast. So hopefully you don't have the issues you had when you went to Goa. And I'm jealous. I've never been to India. I've always wanted to go someday. But it sounds like we've got a lot to do at the end of the year. And it's exciting. I think that's the pod for us, this mini commentary episode. Is there anything else we should have covered?
0: This episode will be released on Labor Day weekend. The whole holiday is about really enjoying the end of summer, pairing to work for the rest of the year, enjoy the labor of love. I mean, I'm I'm just making this up. I don't really know exactly what (laughs) Labor Day is, but I feel like it's a celebration of working. I don't know, but it's also a celebration of not working. And understanding that, this is okay, this is just Ibram's little speech. Riff. riff on Labor Day. The way that I enjoy Labor Day is like, okay, I've been working hard. There's gonna be some projects coming up. There's gonna be work that needs to get done. And I will do it. Work-life balance is important to enjoy the moment. It's important to understand that we are fortunate to have jobs. We are building our own company. We're building this economy, this bioeconomy. And I think that we should all just take this Labor Day to enjoy our lives and get ready for the rest of the year.
1: I echo that 100%. So I think that's a pod. As we've mentioned before, if you have a burning question or a comment to us, please call our Grow Everything hotline. The number is 804-505-5553. I know we've gotten a comment, writing Room will talk about the comment next time. And, yes, uh, we
0: will, absolutely.
1: Yeah, we do have a Patreon page if you want to help support us. But other than that, that's the pod.
0: Enjoy your Labor Day weekend.
1: Yeah, enjoy your Labor Day.